morning, church family. Uh, whether you're in the room with us or online, we're delighted to have you here. Uh, Baz, thanks for leading us. Thank you to the team for leading us in worship. Um, I had some Hawaii comments standing at the back. Guys, it's Durban. You don't have to be in Hawaii to dress. I've never been to Hawaii. Lots of, it's Durban. It's better than Hawaii. So be good. So last week, if you were here, you, we started a series called Finding True North, and we talked about the desperate need we as humans have to know that we are traveling in the right direction and to know that, that and we're doing that in the way God wants us to do it. Now, it's, it's hard for me to imagine a church family would disagree about that. And I think most of us would say, yes, I want to hear God and I want to go where God wants me to go. But then the rubber hits the road. And you hear somebody say something like, God told me to. Have you ever said that to somebody? God told me to X, Y, Z. Or have you ever heard somebody say that to you? God told me to. And sometimes, It's exciting, and sometimes it's frankly scary. You know, you you hear somebody go, God told me to, and you go, whoa, did God really tell you? Or, if you're a bit like me, you don't want to say it to somebody else because because it's a bit weird, man. Especially if those people don't understand the context of, of a journey with Jesus. Do you know why it's weird? I, th- I think I know why it's weird and challenging. Firstly, it is the fact that God does speak. I mean, here you're dealing with the, with the creator of the universe, the, the, the God who knows everything, who, who, who controls the world, who created everything, the supreme being, the king of kings and the lord of lords, and you are saying, that he speaks. Now the truth is, it's not just you saying it or me saying it, it's him saying it. And we read all over the Bible, God said to so and so, Genesis 12 verse one, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Now, as you read that, do you ever wonder how did God say that to him? That's quite a complicated sentence and quite a lot of things for him to do. Now, if you read the story of Abraham, you'll discover that God told him to do things in all sorts of different ways. Sometimes, like a a guy pitched up and told him, an angel. Sometimes it was done through a dream. But it doesn't actually say that here. It's just God told him to do that. It's just so clear in the Bible that God does tell humans things they must do, or ways they must live, or things about him. So that's one part of the weird equation. The other part of this weird equation is that people are listening and having to respond to that. I mean, just think about it. 
you, you as a human being are or ought to be listening for God's voice and discerning, figuring out what he's saying to you and what you should do about it. But you're human when you're doing that. And listen to what the problem is with that. Jeremiah 17 verse nine. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And so here you have the God of the universe, the the creator of everything, the God who came into the world to die for us, the God who saves us, the God who loves us, speaking. And on the other side, you have humans, us, you and me, who have hearts that are desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, and we are listening. And in between God speaking and us listening, we all have to go, all right, God, I, I, really, do what, I really do want to do what you want me to do. I really do want to go where you want me to go. I really do want to follow you. And I guess that's what the sermon series is about. It's about how do we navigate those two truths and realities. That God does speak, but it's us that's listening. And God, we we wanna go where you want us to go. We really, really do. And so for the rest of the series, which is gonna be this week and another three weeks after this, it's kind of important for you to listen to all of it, to have an opportunity to, to listen to all of it. And what's nice, if you can't make it on a Sunday, YouTube and Facebook. And so you can catch up. But, but we want to, in the next few weeks, answer three really important questions. How does God speak today? How, what are the ways that God speaks? And why is the Bible given a special place by us as a church and by most Christians in those ways that God speaks. Then we want to answer this question, and it's a really practical one. What stops me from picking up my Bible and reading? What are the things that actually prevent me from doing that at a kind of personal level? And then we want to ask and answer the question, is interacting with God's word once or twice a month enough? You know, is is kind of a casual acquaintance with God's word from time to time enough. And then in the last week, why should an outdated ancient book have authority in my life? Why should a book that was written thousands and thousands of years ago in another culture, and frankly sometimes is quite weird, why should it have authority in my life and why should I actually spend time with it? and what can I learn from it. So that's gonna be the kind of picture of the journey of the next few weeks. And so let's jump right in and remind ourselves that God does speak. But the Bible tells us that God doesn't just speak to us in one way. He speaks to us in many different ways. In Hebrews chapter one, verse one, it says that. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets and in many portions and in many ways. So that the writers of the Bible acknowledge that throughout the ages, God has spoken to people in a variety of ways. 
God has used different methods to communicate who he is and what he is and how he wants people to be in relationship with him. And so it's important to actually spend a little bit of time looking at each of those or some of those ways God speaks. But before we, before we look at the ways God speaks, I think it's incredibly important for us just to know some things about God, the God who does speak. I just, just want to point out some incredibly important things that, that God is in his nature. This God who is speaking to us. Now, the list could be this long. I only want to highlight three because I think that's really important in terms of as we go on this journey with these different ways God speaks to us. First thing is that the God of these maps that we look at is immutable. Now, that's a theological term. It means this. God's character never changes. God's character never changes. He isn't one thing one day and something different another day. Malachi 3 verse 6 is one of the verses, and there are many that tell us about this characteristic of God. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. So, I mean, the context is God is not happy with his people, um, but he's telling them, guys, I, I don't change. I am, I am loving and I'm patient, and that's why I haven't wiped you out already. But I don't change. And that's really important because as we look at different maps, sometimes we have one experience of hearing God and we think he's saying something to us. But then we discover in another part of God's word or one of his maps that, that what he said to us there actually goes against what we know about his character. You know? And then we have to go, well, I must be wrong. <laughs> I must be hearing God wrong because God is not like that. God doesn't say it's okay to cheat on your taxes, as an example. So God is immutable. His character never changes. The second thing that's so important is that God does not lie. That God doesn't go back doesn't speak untruth to us. Numbers 23, 19, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So it's, it's important to know that God doesn't lie. It's part of his character. And then the third piece of the character of God that is so important as we read God's word or as we listen to him through the spirit or as we, as a church, talk together about what God is saying to us is that God is love. It's one of the immutable characteristics of God, or the unmediated characteristics of God. It's, in other words, who God is in his essence rather than a product. God is love. And the most famous verse, of course, is 1 John 4, verse 8. Whoever does, not love does, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And so when we are listening for God's voice, when we are 
trying to discover what God is telling us. If we feel like God is telling us to do something that contradicts love, we need to go, mm, maybe I'm not hearing God properly. Now, to be honest, I don't know about you, but it's complicated. Navigating that stuff, if you've spent any time in your life studying the Bible or listening to God, you will know that sometimes it feels like God is contradicting himself. Sometimes it feels like God is, is not telling the truth. Sometimes it feels like God is not loving. But we have to know that those things can't happen because of who God is. And so as we approach these different maps, we have to know those things about God's character. Let me just quickly remind you of those maps that we spoke about last week. Word of God tells us that God speaks to us through Jesus. He speaks to us through the church. He speaks to us through the spirit. And he speaks to us through the Bible. Those are the ways God speaks to us. And I just briefly want to unpack each one of those things in the same framework. I'm going to talk quickly about the distinctiveness of each of those things. That each of those things are a little different to all of the others in terms of how God uses them. I want to talk about briefly the means. So, so when we say God speaks to me through the word, what's happening? What do I have to do for God to do that? And then finally, the dangers of each of those things. Because each of them inherently have this unique way that human beings can misinterpret what God is saying. Because remember, part of this equation, eternal God speaking, deceitful humans listening. And so let's, let's get into it. Let's talk about each of those maps in that framework of their distinctiveness the way God does it, and the dangers of it. So the map God uses, number one, is Jesus. And we talked about the fact that, well, Hebrews 1 says this, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken up to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he has made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. In the book of Ephesians, added to that dynamic, Ephesians chapter one, he exerted, um, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the pre present age, but also in the one to come. The, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And so Jesus is distinctive, number one, because he is the exact representation of God. He is the clearest picture we as human beings can have a whole picture of the character and nature of who God is. But not only is he distinctive in that way, 
it is distinctive because now we know what God is like if God were a human. <laughs> because that's what Jesus is. He's completely human and completely God. And, and that's important because we're human. And so it just helps us to relate to God in a unique way because we, we, we have this picture of what God would be like if God was a human. And so that's very distinctive. But what's also distinctive is that Jesus' authority, because we talked last week about each of these things having their own authority, Jesus has an authority that is over all other authorities. In, in a sense, we are saying that Jesus is the ultimate authority over all of these things. And so those are the distinctives of who Jesus is. Now, how do we experience Jesus? What is the means we have? Well, firstly, it's through the Bible. The way we know Jesus is by reading the Gospels, mostly. That's how we know what Jesus was like. There's stuff about Jesus also in the Old Testament, but it's a little less clear and sometimes harder to find if you don't know what you're looking for. But the Gospels make it very clear. And the beginning of Acts. And so we know that Jesus speaks to us through us reading the word about him, knowing his life, listening to his teachings. But we also know who Jesus is and hear Jesus through the church. Now that gets a little more complicated because the reason we do that is that the church is now the body of Christ in the world. And so Jesus' voice comes to us through the Gospels, through the Bible, but then also, at times, through the church. But here's some of the challenges. Guys, I wish I could unpack all of these. I can't. There's just too much going on here. But it's, it's going to be a challenge for every one of them. The biggest problem is humans. Okay? Just get that in your head. Humans. The biggest challenge to anything we have to say or do about hearing God's word is us. We come with our junk. We come with our biases. And so we, we read about Jesus and we see him in a certain way. We, in a sense, want Jesus to be on our side. And so th this idea of simply only focusing on Jesus is, is a challenge because we're humans. It's also a challenge because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which he is. The temptation is to go, well, Jesus is the only way God speaks to me. And so I don't need the church, or I don't need the other parts of the Bible, or I don't need the Holy Spirit. Because if Jesus is the supreme way and, and he said I'm the only way, we must understand that. We go, that is the only way God speaks to me. And that's a real danger. It, it, it's the danger of individualism. The danger of saying, well, I follow Jesus, and I'm gonna do it my way. I don't have to be part of a church family, I don't have to be part of listening to the Holy Spirit. I don't have to because it's just it's me and Jesus. And we'll do this together. And those are the, that's the danger. Okay, let's quickly unpack the church a little bit. God speaks to us through the church. Matthew 16, 18 and 19. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock 
I will build my church and the powers of death will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Also in 1 Timothy 3, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And so, clearly, God speaks to us through the church. And what's distinctive about the church is that it's, what I've said, it's immediate. It's here, it's with us. In a sense, when we read about Jesus, we're reading about a historical figure. But the church is with us in this present age. We have to deal with the South African issues together. We have to deal with 2024 together. And so it gives that piece of this journey of ours such immediacy. It's around us, it's with us, and, and we can tackle the same problems together. One of the other distinctives of the church is that it's diverse. There are lots of different kinds of people. You're not only hearing one group's understanding of who God is. You're not just hearing men, or you're not just hearing South Africans, or you, you're hearing from all these different people that God has, has, is speaking to. So it, the beauty of it is it's close in time to us and it's close in proximity. So that's a real distinctive and an advantage. And how that happens, there's all sorts of ways. There's preaching and teaching, there's worshiping together, there's having community together, there's serving. So there's all these ways that the church helps us to hear God's voice. What are the challenges? Humans. <laughs> the church is made up of humans. Another danger of the church is tradition. That, that the church can easily get stuck. So many churches are good at reaching people from 1850. But unfortunately, they find themselves in 2020. And so tradition is one of the dangers. And that very advantage of immediacy is also a danger. Because the church can get influenced by the culture that it's in. It's an advantage because it can help us interact but it can also be affected by the culture that it finds itself in. So that's one of the dangers of the church. What about the spirit? John 16, 12, I have much more to say to you, more than I can now bear, you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what it what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will you will, re will receive from me what he has made known to you. Wow, I'm having some challenges reading this morning, guys. Sorry about that. But you get it. It's on the screen. You can read it too. So, so God speaks to us through his Spirit. And the distinctives there are, is number one, the closeness. The Spirit knows you better than anybody knows you. The Spirit knows you better than you know yourself. 
And so as the Spirit speaks, the Spirit is able to speak to you at an intimate level that, that the other ways of God speaking can't because of how intimate the Spirit is. The Spirit is in you, that closeness. The distinctiveness of the, the Spirit is also the freedom that the Spirit gives us. The, the Spirit, when, when the Spirit speaks to us, is, is free to use any means the Spirit decides to use, which is why the Spirit can be a little bit freaky sometimes. We'll get to that soon. Also, the distinctiveness of the Spirit is that the Spirit has direct knowledge of God. The Spirit is part of the Godhead. And so that passage says, the Spirit will tell you clearly what God himself says. So the knowledge, not just of God, but of us. The Spirit knows us. So here are some of the ways that the Spirit speaks to us. The Spirit can speak to us in dreams. The Spirit can speak to us in visions. The Spirit can speak to us in our thoughts. Simply our thoughts. The Spirit can speak to us and does speak to us through our gifts. We have these particular gifts, words of knowledge or tongues or the gift of healing. And so God speaks and guides us by his Spirit in those ways. What are the dangers? <laughs> Humans. All right? It's quite important. It's subjective. When, when you experience the Spirit, it's immensely subjective. I mean, how many times, honestly, have you had a thought in your head where you think the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, phone this person or marry that person or take that university course, and, you've, and you sit there and you go, is this me or is it the Spirit? Who of you can, sorry, I, I, I don't know anybody who can't identify with that. So it's subjective, and it's okay. It's just one of those real dangers. The danger of pride. Often people who claim to hear the Spirit become very prideful. They begin to, to think to themselves, not only am I better than others because I have this gift, but hey, God's gonna tell me things that he's never told anybody else. And so I'm gonna become special because I'm going to know things about God that other people don't know and I'm gonna start dispensing this Godness to other people. So those are real, real dangers God uses all of those ways to speak to us. We're about to get to the Bible. But here's what's important, folk. God doesn't speak to us in only one of these ways. He speaks to us in all of these ways. And our journey is to learn how to integrate all of these ways together to hear God's voice clearly. The temptation is to go, that's how I hear God. You know, if only God would speak to me with an audible voice, I'd do exactly what he told me to do in exactly the way he told me to do it. Really? Just go and read the Bible and go and see how many people God did that to and how perfectly they got it right for the rest of their spiritual journey. Good luck. It doesn't happen. But the fact is God still speaks. 
And so now, let's take the next few minutes to look at this last way that God speaks through his written word. Firstly, 2 Timothy 3 tells us this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. And so we have this other map that God gives us. It's called the Bible. It's called Scripture. And it is distinctive in a number of ways. Number one, it's distinctive because it's the only place we have God's word in writing. So it's, it's written down. All of the other ways that you and I will hear from God and experience God is essentially in our own minds and in our own human interactions with each other, influenced by God. But, but the Bible is written. It's been put down. And not only is it written, it is closed. And we'll get into that discussion later on, but it's closed. There's not going to be things added to the Bible, and, and there aren't going to be major things or things taken out of the Bible. It's, it's closed. In a sense, it is the most objective presentation of God's word that we have. Again, humans, but it is. Of all the ways God speaks to us, it's the one where there's something outside of our understanding of what's just happened that we can go back and look at. And that's tremendously important, this fact that it's written down and that it's closed. But what else is, you, is distinctive about it is its breadth. I mean, it, is talk, it talks about God's interaction with human beings over thousands and thousands of years. From, from the beginning, essentially Stone Age people, if you want to frame it like that, to, to the Romans who made this empire. It's, it, it just has these, this huge breadth of God's dealing with people in all sorts of contexts. It talks about how God deals with kings and princes and rulers of empires and how God deals with shepherds and, and illiterate people. It, 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 the breadth of it is absolutely amazing and it's diversity. It has stories of shepherds and kings. It has stories of men and women. It has stories of prophets. And it's just this magnificent picture of God talking to human beings for thousands and thousands of years. And we get to read it. But not only do we get to read it, we get to listen to it. We get to discover in it who God is in a way that's not just about me and my own personal experience. It's about who God is to all of humanity, not just, in fact, all of humanity, all of creation, the whole world. 
it is distinctive in those ways. How does it happen? Well, it happens by the means of reading, the means of studying, singing. Who of you have ever like, wondered about a Bible passage and then one day you're singing a song or a chorus or a hymn that has that passage in it and you just go, oh, that's what God was trying to say to me. By obeying. That's how we know, that's how we understand God speaking to us through the Bible, by reading it, by studying it, by singing it, by obeying it. I could add by discussing it with each other. That's how it happens. So what's the dangers of the Bible? The dangers. Humans. Another challenge that the Bible presents us is both its simplicity and its complexity because both of them are there. Richard, at the beginning of the service, said, it's simple. Jesus said, follow me. And he's right. It's simple. And the Bible tells us, Jesus said, follow me. But then you read other passages and you go, what? What is that about? What did that person do that? Did God really tell the Israelites to wipe out whole generations of their enemies? And so that's one of the challenges of the Bible. That, that, that in fact it is so powerful that a verse of it can be read to somebody and they can accept Jesus in that moment. Just having heard one verse, literally, I've seen it happen. But it's also so complex that somebody can search through it their whole lives and not see what's there. Jesus actually said it. He said it to the Pharisees. You guys study the word of God. You, you, you know everything about it, but you've missed the fact that it points to me. What's wrong with you? And so that's one of the challenges of the Bible, that it is both so incredibly simple and so incredibly complex. One of the challenges of the Bible is that it's so diverse, that definitely God doesn't speak in the same way to South Africans in 2024 that he spoke to Job in the Middle East in his tent. God speaks differently. And sometimes that difference just, what? And so that's one of the challenges of it. One of the challenges of it is its uniqueness. That here is this one book that claims to say that this is the word of the living God. This is the written word. This is a, the only book where you can find the way to eternal life. This is the only way that you can find Jesus. It's unique, but it's also unique in its makeup because it's written by hundreds of people over thousands of years. How do you read a book like that? I mean, you know, if you're an engineer and somebody gives you a sociology textbook, you're not gonna know how to read it. I'm just telling you now, you're not. You're gonna, what? But if you're a sociologist and somebody gives you an engineering textbook, you're not gonna know how to read it. But here's this book that God says, any human being that interacts with this book, doesn't matter where they are, if they do it, they will find me goodness, it's unique. 
it is unique. The last danger I must bring to you is how badly the Bible gets misused. It's one of the dangers, it puts people off. Because people have used God's word to, to wipe out whole races of other people. They've used the Bible to claim superiority over other human beings. They've used the Bible to mistreat women. They've used the Bible over and over again to get themselves in power and to do not what God wants them to do, but what they want to do. And so some people look at it and go, no, it's not for me. Folks, I want to tell you the good news that is for you. And I know that perhaps today has sounded a bit complicated to you. If it has, I'm sorry, it is. But it's also dead simple. It's dead simple. God speaks. He does. He speaks in all of these ways, all of the time to all of us. Our job is to listen. But the truth is that the Bible holds for us and for Christians everywhere a special place because it is the most unbiased. It is the most accepted. It is closed. It's the most objective. And so we must, whenever we have any of those other ways of God speaking to us, we need to be able to go back to Scripture and say, let's just check what God wrote down about this. And that's why it's so important. Oh God, that we would be a church that listens to you. Oh God, that we'd be a people that go, we love your word. We love your spirit. Jesus, we love you. We love your church. And we love all of that. Why? Because you speak to us. And then when you speak to us, we're able to step out and go and do what you want us to do the way you want us to do it. And so as we journey to find true north, this morning I want you to pause and say, where am I with God's maps? Each of you will have a, probably a distinctive preferred way that God speaks to you or a more natural way. For some of you, oh, I hear God's spirit often, but oh, the Bible, woo. For others of you, like, oh, I love the Bible so much. But this weird stuff where the church wants to tell me what to do, what's that about? Or, oh, I love the character of Jesus. I want to be just like Jesus. But I don't want to hang out with those church people because lots of them are not like Jesus. And so be honest in your own heart. Say, where am I struggling? Which ways have I kind of closed off to hearing God's voice? But I also want to ask you the question, are you willing to go, Lord, I want to open my mind to these others? We, we want to invite you to ask us some of the challenging questions you may have about the Bible. And we want you to send them to us because we want to try and address them. And, and, and you can do it anonymously if you think we're going to think you're a sinner because you wonder about that. Please don't, please send that, you know. Somebody told me recently, that John, I, I, Pastor, I can't really handle the Bible because you know, those folks are misogynists, man, all of them. They hate women, what's going on there? 
Pastor, I can't really understand the Bible because, you know, there's stuff in the Old Testament that sounds like God hates people, but it says God is love. Tell us what your challenges are so that we can together go on this journey of being a church family that listens to God's voice, all of God's voice, that takes God's written word seriously and that goes in the direction God wants us as individuals and as a family to go. And so that's what I'm asking you to do over the next week. Think about yourself in relation to all of these ways God speaks and and ask us the questions. Send your questions to feedback at home ground or if you're too embarrassed, send one of us a WhatsApp privately. And then finally, I want us to spend a little bit of time praying as we end this service. Just let's pray about God guide us. Guide us as a church, lead us. Speak clearly to us. And we're gonna pray collectively, but also remember there's a prayer team that would love to pray with you. And so afterwards, if you wanna go into the chapel or come to the front, somebody will pray with you. Let's bow our heads together and thank God firstly, Lord, thank you that you speak. Thank you that your voice comes to us, that we can hear you through Jesus. Thank you that we can hear you through your spirit. Thank you that we can hear you through our church family. But Lord, thank you for this incredible book that we have, your written word that tells us who you are and points us to Jesus and teaches us how to live so that we don't have to wonder that we can follow you. Lord, we recognize that we are weak, that we are the problem. But Lord, even as we contemplate our struggles, even as we contemplate our struggles with your word or with any of this, we end this prayer this time with words from your word that despite our struggles give us great comfort. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his presence with great joy. To the only wise God, our savior, be glory, majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.